Welcome back to the Birdie Breakdown Podcast. And today, we answer your questions about the Baltimore Orioles on this special mailbag episode of the pod. All of this and much more next. So it's time for our weekly mailbag episode of the pod where we take your questions from social media and answer them right here, right now. So the first question is an interesting one, and it has to do with the Orioles' potential all-star bids this season. It's been a great first half of the season for the Orioles all around, on the pitching side and the hitting side. And one of our listeners was wondering which Orioles, outside of Adley Rushman, who's a virtual lock, is most deserving of that coveted all-star nod. So what we're going to do is we're going to make a case for each one of these nominees from most likely to least likely, starting with the mountain, Felix Bautista. I mean, he's the first name that really comes to mind, almost as a no-brainer here. This year, Felix has 19 saves as the Orioles' closer and 33 and a third innings pitched, a 1.08 ERA, 18.4 strikeouts per nine. He struck out over half of the opponents he's faced this year and has more strikeouts as a reliever than any starting pitcher on four major league teams. I mean, enough said, right? And the advanced metrics love Bautista as well, too. He ranks in the 90th percentile in chase rate, 99th in expected slugging, expected ERA, and expected on uh, <laughs> and ex-WOBA and the 100th percentile in expecting batting average, strikeout percentage, whiff rate, all. I mean, Felix Batista just going crazy this year, and he is a virtual lock for the All-Star game. But what could possibly keep him from getting this All-Star nod? I mean, is there anything that can slow him down now? I don't really think so. I I think he he's he's basically just an instant lock because there has been literally no other reliever or closer that's done things like Felix has. Cano is they're literally the best seven, eight, nine inning combination in baseball right now. And it's so it's just so crazy to watch. You go from a guy that's throwing 96, 97 mile an hour sinkers, changeups, curveballs, to a straight 96 plus fastball, 96 when it's bad. And then an 88 splitter that just makes these grown men look so silly. It's like it's like 98, 99 when it's bad, which is the crazy thing. It's just crazy. But no, I don't think anything else is going to happen that makes Felix not an all-star. I mean, and the other crazy thing is, is that the Orioles can use, and they've they've done this before this season, they can use Yenir Cano for the seventh and eighth inning if they really need to. He has the stamina to last that long, two innings. And really, if you just get your starting pitcher to go six innings, if you really need to, you can shut the door with Cano and Bautista for three innings which is I mean, most teams cannot say that about their, their best two relievers. But that brings us to Yen Yer Cano. Like Bautista, 
He's been dominating all of his all of his opponents all season long. In 36 and a third innings pitched, Cano has 16 holds in front of Bautista, four saves when Bautista was unavailable, a 0.99 ERA, a 0.77 whip, and 33 strikeouts. Cano again, almost, in my opinion, a lock to make it. The only thing that could really prevent him from making the all-star team is that Cano and Bautista are on the same team. I don't really think that'll be an issue, but it might be for these writers and the players who are, you know, the ones voting on these things. So, Yenier Cano, another virtual lock for the Orioles. He's just been too good. It's just, once again, it's just crazy to think we have both of these guys in the same team. And to think about last year, where we had, we had no positive things to say about Yenier Cano with, with the, oh, what what is Michael Elias doing here? He's he's stupid for training for Cade Povich and Yenier Cano, who's gotten lit up in the major leagues. It only took one offseason for him to become a different type of... He, he could be a frontrunner for Rookie of the Year soon. And it's People don't remember that he is a rookie. Which I forgot, too. Yeah, I mean, Yenier Cano. Yeah, he may be 29 years old, but he is still a rookie. Now, they're not going to give him rookie of the year. They don't give rookie of the year to relievers, really, ever. That rarely ever happens. But if they did, Yenier Cano is making a very, very compelling push for rookie of the year in the American League. So next, we've got one Orioles outfielder who has really carried the load this year offensively for Baltimore. Has not had one rough stretch this year offensively, and that will be Austin Hayes, who has been nothing but on fire the entire season. This year, Hayes, a fully healthy Austin Hayes, which we saw in the first half of last year when he hit for that cycle. But this year, he leads the American League in batting average at 325, has an 875 OPS to lead the Orioles, eight homers, and 32 driven in. Austin Hayes, as well, has had an amazing year. We didn't really see this coming. I mean, some people were saying, oh, we should trade Austin Hayes. Oh, Austin Hayes should get benched for Colton Cowser, or people were even saying at the time, Kyle Stowers. But Austin Hayes has proved all the doubters wrong. He's played to his full potential, being fully healthy now, something he hasn't done his entire career. And now at 27 years old, in his fifth MLB season, Austin Hayes is making a case, a strong case for an all-star bid. It's kind of crazy to think that Austin Hayes is in his fifth year. Because it seems like, probably not even five years ago, he made that impressive catch to rob a rookie, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And now it's 2023, and he's leading the American League in batting average? <laughs> to think about that last year, I, I would not believe you whatsoever. And he really does have a strong case, but yet again, it's fan, fan voting and popularity contests. But hopefully he's like a, either a replacement or he really should be a starter at this rate. But 
I just hope one way or another Austin Hayes makes it on the all-star, all-star team because he is very deserving. So next, and now we're getting to the players for the Orioles who bids for a starting, well, not just the starting, but an all-star bid in general, are not that high, and that'll be Tyler Wells, the Orioles' ace this year. It's pretty unlikely that he'll make the all-star team just because there are so many quality starters in the American League. The advanced metrics don't like him that much, but he has pitched to a 3.2 ERA. That's top 10 in all of baseball. He leads the Amer- he leads all of baseball in whip as well. But I think this is just a case where there's too many good pitchers in the AL. You, you pretty much said it exactly how I would. There's too many guys that are better. And Tyler Wells has done everything right this year. But he need. I think next year, if he keeps up this pace, he will definitely be an all-star. I just think that the American League is stacked with so many good pitchers that he won't make it. Unless the he's is a replacement role. Because keep in mind, a guy can always get injured and he can always fill in. So, I mean, the door's not shut on Tyler Wells being an all-star yet, but it seems like that ship is sailing. Yeah, it's pretty unfortunate just because of the class of the American League. But now we move on to some guys where it's really not going to happen, but it could have if not for some injuries, and that's Cedric Mullins. I mean, Mullins was on a tear. He hit for the cycle, was leading, well, was third in the American League in RBIs when he went out. But he's been injured for the past two, three weeks now, and his at-bats are not there, so he's not going to get the nod for All-Star. Another guy who has been picking up recently but started the year off really slowly is Gunnar Henderson. I think the ship has sailed for Gunnar to make his first All-Star team, even though he's played like an All-Star for the past month. If he had kept that consistency up over the first month and a half of the season, I think we would have a strong case for Gunnar Henderson as well. But these guys just fell short. Hopefully next year they can get it. But overall, the Orioles should have, in my opinion, three locks for the All-Star game. One most likely, and one not so much. But even having five in consideration for the Orioles this year is a great improvement from last year in which it was Jorge Lopez. And now he is on the Twins and on the 15-day mental health list. Uh, We wished Jorge nothing but the best. But the Orioles, what a turnaround from 2022, 44-27. So now we'll get to our next question. And this one is about the trade deadline. And we know the Orioles this season, if there's one thing that's holding them back from being a World Series contender, it's their starting pitching. And the Orioles starters as a whole have held it down pretty much this year. But there have been some, well, not too great of starts all around up and down the rotation. We don't have a fifth starter right now, but the top four starters in the rotation have gotten better. So with a fifth spot open in the rotation, do the Orioles look to the trade deadline to find a quality starting pitcher, maybe even an ace for this staff who eats innings and is a reliable guy to get the ball every fifth day and shove. So first we have... Lucas Giolito from the Chicago White Sox. We're going to go from most likely to least likely. Least likely. Now, I have Giolito up here 
as fairly likely um, because he's not going to cost too much because he's an impending free agent. Now, that could be the one turnoff for the Orioles, not having that team control for a couple, two, three, two, three, four years even. Um, but it seems like Giolito might be the top starter available this summer, if not for his teammate, Dylan Cease, who it does not seem like the White Sox are willing to trade. He's rebounded from a tough go last year by making several notable tweaks into his windup and delivery, including emphasizing a new-look slider as his top secondary pitch. This would be the first time in his career that he has thrown multiple sliders and more sliders than change-ups. Being a right-hander at Camden Yards plays well. We've seen Tyler Wells. Yeah, he gives up home runs. Um, the big right-hander does. But usually solo shots and usually a lot of fly balls. And Giolito is a fly ball guy. He plays a contact some, um, and that plays well at Camden Yards. So Giolito is a guy who could be a target for the Orioles. But the only thing is that he is going to be a free agent, so he would be a rental. And the Orioles, one thing that Michael Elias has done his entire tenure as the Orioles' general manager and executive vice president is he has gone for guys with club control for multiple years. Gilito is not one of those guys. But if you're going to stray away from that path, Gilito is a guy I think you could do it for. If we want to get in a deep playoff run, you have to at least risk a rental because it could it could go either way. Uh, we all hope it would go in a positive way. Giolito is a really like underrated guy nowadays. I mean, sure, he was the ace of the White Sox a couple of years back, but now Dylan Cease is the number one ace of the Chicago White Sox. And I just don't think Giolito gets all the respect he deserves for how long he's been around and how he was able to keep his name around. Yeah, I would agree. And I don't know, maybe the the White Sox are struggling right now. Yeah, they're still in it in the AL Central because it's such a terrible division, but they're over 10 games under 500. And if they keep this up, they won't even have a shot to win the AL Central, which is saying a lot. So Giolito is a guy to keep in mind. But next is one Shane Bieber. Now, he's on a contending Guardian squad, a, a team that's contending for their AL Central crown. Again, a team that's under 500, but because the AL Central is not that great, they have a really decent shot of winning that division. And Shane Bieber could be in a trade where the Orioles were, were to send off one of their starting hitters. Now, the, the Guardians are in need of hitting. They have the worst batting average amongst all American League teams this year, one through nine, up and down the order. So they're in need of a boost offensively. And the Orioles have a surplus of hitters available, especially in the outfield. And that's where the Guardians are looking. Could you trade a guy like Austin Hayes? I, I doubt it. Anthony Santander? I don't think so. Mullins? I don't know. But you've got a guy, actually multiple guys in the minor leagues, like Jordan Westberg, 
who could who has the flexibility of starting in the outfield. He can also play anywhere on the infield. He would be starting on most teams right now at the major league level every single day. So could you trade a guy like like Westberg away or one of your top prospects for a, a stud like Shane Bieber, who hasn't had a great season this year, but we know his potential and what he can be. The stuff is down a little bit, but he does have control through 2024. So you get this year and all of next year of Shane Bieber before you even try to start negotiating with him. You got to remember that Shane Bieber was a, the 2020 AL Cy Young winner, for one. And that, again, does not get talked about very much. Well, yeah, it was the COVID year and that he it was only 60 games. But a pace like that, you could have seen an even better Shane Bieber. It's once again the fact of that he's been around a while and that he doesn't get appreciated or talked about as much. I sound like a broken record at this point because every guy we're talking about is an experienced guy who can hold his own. And with Camden Yards' left your wall not being back, it'll their home runs won't be as up as they were in the ballpark two years ago. And we've heard it before. Pitchers don't like Camden Yards for all the home runs. And now if, if they come to Baltimore and experience how the wall plays such an impact now, I think they would tell more pitchers, hey, this ballpark isn't so bad. Maybe you would like to come play here. And maybe maybe negotiations to other people during the offseason would help bring even more pitching towards the Orioles. So it couldn't – it wouldn't ha- – hurt to try i mean it could help now and for the future yeah i agree and again if you want to be a team who wants to contend for a world series an al pennant you need to make difficult moves that might cost you guys in the minor leagues or even at the major league level a trade-off and that's some of the orioles have to look into if they're serious about this this year Now, next, for the last really realistic option that I think the Orioles have this trade deadline to get from the starting pitching realm is the Tigers' left-hander, Eduardo Rodriguez. Now, the Tigers are technically a good week away from being first place in the AL Central, but Fangraph's baseball reference doesn't think that's real realistic, doesn't think that's great odds to happen. Um, the rest of the way based off their schedule and things like that. So based off of that, you think the Tigers should be willing to put Eduardo Rodriguez on the market, who has been nothing but lights out this year. Pitch for the Red Sox for a while, so he knows the AL East well. Pitches against the AL East very well. He's a high spin rate guy, throws a mid-90s fastball, but his off-speed stuff is just dirty. Now, the thing about Rodriguez is that he has three years and $49 million left on his deal. But he has a player opt-out after this season. So he could opt into free agency and forego the rest of his three-year deal. So that makes it risky with Eduardo Rodriguez, but he's a lefty. And you love lefties in Camden Yards. You get to attack the lefties. You get to attack the righties and use that left field wall to your advantage which has really saved Orioles pitching recently here. So a lot of good things, a lot of good options for the Orioles right now in terms of starting pitching options. And they've got 
a little t- little bit of time to to make up their mind of what they're going to do here coming up. But those are it for the really realistic options that we have right now. Then we get to Dylan Cease, who the White Sox are saying they're not going to trade. And I would tend to agree with them on this. Dylan Cease is just too good. If if, if the Red Sox, or if, if the White Sox were to trade Dylan Cease, they're going in full rebuild mode. And I feel like pretty much everyone's available. Dylan Cease finished top three um, in, in Cy Young voting. He's he's just he's just so good. This stuff is good. He's not having a great year this season. Um, but Dylan Cease is a guy that the Orioles, if he's available, could go after. I don't think it's likely the AL the AL Cy Young runner-up. It just doesn't it doesn't make much sense for the White Sox, even though they're having a, a really down year this year. But we'll see, and nothing is out of the book right now. I feel like we'd just be giving up too much for Dylan Cease. I feel like we'd have obviously have to go on one of our top top prospects. Like I don't think we we would even trade or even consider trading Colton Kowser. Because one, he is on the doorstep of being promoted. And I'm very surprised that today we're we're recording this Monday night. It's ten forty. I'm surprised we did not make a roster move today. I kind of hoped we would, but you know, we still got the whole week. We still got Friday. We still, I think we have an off day Thursday, which that's also another chance for a promotion or two. Um, yeah, I. Just feel like the the like real the reality of trading for Dylan Cease is not is nowhere near as strong as it was maybe a month ago because everybody was talking about like oh manifesting Dylan Cease to Baltimore. I was kinda on that train too, because he's really good. We have seen him pitch well against us. His velocity is crazy. And the break on his pitches is just absolutely filthy. But I don't think we're going to even try it, Cease. Yeah, I don't think the chances are great for Dylan Cease either. It's just too much. You don't want to break the farm for a guy who has not pitched very well this year. The advanced metrics don't love him this year. And it just hasn't been great, even though he was the AL Cy Young runner-up last year. So now we're moving to a couple relief options for the Orioles. The bullpen has been very good this year. We know this. The back end especially, and even the guys in the middle innings, while it's been rough at times, they've managed to get the job done. But if the Orioles, the Orioles' dream game plan is to have a lead going into the eighth inning where you bring in Cano and then the ninth inning for Bautista to shut the door that's been the game plan all year. I think that it will continue to be the game plan unless they bring in a closer on another team who's, who's a closer on another team right now, slot him in in the seventh inning, and then all you have to do is get through six innings with the lead, and you win. So one guy I had an eye on who has pitched in the AL East before, for the New York Yankees, who is known for his otherworldly velocity, 
And that is one Aroldis Chapman. Chapman was not in demand last winter when he signed a one-year, $3 million contract with the Kansas City Royals. He just completed one of his worst seasons of his career, and he followed it up by bailing on a postseason workout, and the Yankees subsequently ruled out of placing him on their playoff roster. It would have been fair to write off the possibility of Chapman regaining a semblance of his old form. But that turned out to be very wrong. Chapman, who has been known for his velocity, has been pumping 104 this season from the left side of the mound. And if the Orioles were to bring in another left to this rotation, to this uh, bullpen, that is needed. You know, last year the Orioles had seen Perez ball out, but he has not been anywhere near the form he was in in 2022. And you're starting to talk about, is it time to DFA Jacob's favorite player on the Orioles, CNL Perez? And I think it is. And I think you DFA him when you acquire a guy like Aroldis Chapman, who could come in, shut down the seventh inning for you, could save a game if Bautista or Cano is unavailable. And then the Orioles go into the lead, into the seventh inning with the lead. You go Chapman, Cano, Bautista, one, two, three. Not many teams are going to beat that trio of relievers in the back end of the bullpen. First of all, the shade was not necessary coming at me for that. I I like to I like to be very like open minded of things. So the possibilities of, you know, my my guy being DFA'd are obviously there. He has not been good like last year. But I would love love a guy like Aroldis Chapman. We have all had discussions about this. And 104, and the guy's in, like, six... I don't even know how long he's been around. Maybe he's in his mid to late 30s. Like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. And I think the guy is coming back to his 2014 former. He's pumping 103, 104. Hell, 105. Just crazy thing about it, and that the the dude has regained this velocity since leaving New York. It seems to be a reoccurring thing that once somebody leaves New York, they become better. Cough, cough. Aaron Hicks, who's now with the Orioles and balling out. Another option for the Orioles in the bullpen, and I think this one is really a slam dunk trade candidate, and that would be again from the White Sox. Right-handed pitcher Joe Kelly, who is 35 years old and is pumping gas. He is filthy this year, a little bit of an elevated ERA, so I don't think it would cost that much in terms of prospect value you'd be giving up to the White Sox in return. But even if the White Sox aren't out of it completely in the central, it just seems like they're going to deal Kelly regardless. He's got a, a one-year $9 million contract going on right now. He has a club option for 2024, so a chance of extending his deal. Seems like that's unlikely, but you get Kelly for either a rental or a year and a half, and Kelly is throwing 93-mile-an-hour knuckle curves. I mean, just stuff that's unheard of. 
the 101 sinker that's just filthy. If you pair him up with Cano and Bautista, three righties in the back end of that Orioles bullpen, that would be really a no-brainer in my opinion. The whiff rate is so good from all three of those guys. I mean, you're just going to make hitters look silly night in and night out. Joe Kelly, I don't think would cost too much. I think maybe a prospect or a guy like, I don't think they take Adam Frazier from us, but I think it'd be a low end. It could possibly be another rental with a club option next year. I think I think we need to take a gamble for the first time in a couple of years. Yeah, I'd be totally down with that. Now, those are the only two relief options we have for the Orioles in terms of trade trade options this deadline. I think they're pretty good ones, and I think that the Orioles have a strong shot of getting one of these guys if they don't get a starting pitcher. They're going to get one or the other. You're going to either get a starter or a reliever at the deadline. Michael has said the Orioles are full-on buying. They have the prospect surplus, and they're modeling after the Astros, the team that, that Michael Elias came from in his previous tenure as head scout and assistant general manager. And the Astros' strategy was to build up the farm system and use that surplus of position players in the farm to trade for pitching. That's the route the Orioles have taken thus far, and I think they'll continue to do so this trade deadline. But for our last question, this is also related to the trade deadline and post-trade deadline. Going into August, after the trade deadline on August 1st, what will the Orioles' lineup be? I mean, there's a lot of guys on the Orioles right now, the current Orioles, who I don't think will be starting for the team in two months' time. Now, this has to do with injuries from guys like Mullins and Mountcastle and guys in the minor leagues who are due to be called up. I, I mean, I just it's, it's about time that you got guys like Colton Kowser. And Jordan Westberg, who have been knocking on the door now for what seems like forever. If you make a trade or two here or there, I mean, these guys could be in the major leagues. So after the August 1st trade deadline, here is what my starting rotation, starting lineup looks like. Mullins batting first in center field and Rutschman batting second at catcher. Santander at DH. Batting third. That's the normal one, two, two for the Orioles. It's what it's been all year. Austin Hayes in cleanup in left field. Gunnar Henderson playing third base at batting fifth. I've got Ryan O'Hearn in right field, batting sixth. Mountcastle at first, seventh. Westberg at shortstop, batting eighth. And good old Adam Frazier at second base, batting ninth. Now I I I pondered here for a little bit. I I was and I was thinking, well, what about Jorge Mateo? And what about Ramon Arias? And what about Colton Kowser? And how do the Orioles fit all of these guys into the rotation? Now the thing is about Kowser, the Orioles don't necessarily have to bring him up right now. They have the depth in the major leagues right now. You don't your outfielders right now are playing so well that. They're playing, you know, they're generating all of this war and bringing up Kowser, a rookie, he's bound to have rookie struggles. All rookies do. And you might be losing some some value there in the outfield if you bring up a guy like Kowser right now in the midst of a playoff race. That's one side of it that I had. I mean, I, I still think you can't go wrong with putting Kowser in the lineup 
after the trade deadline, especially if, I mean, it's a no-brainer if you trade one of your current outfielders or if Ryan O'Hearn falls off a cliff and his production just goes down the drain. But the other thing I really, really thought about here was what to do with the trio of Westberg, Fraser, and Mateo. I have Arias as a utility guy. I think that's where his best role should be right now. But you have Mateo, who is has a sub-300 OPS since May 1st. That's going, out, going on almost two months now of Jorge Mateo being the worst hitter in the league. Also has a four-weighted runs created plus since May 1st. 96% worse than the average player, which is 100 is league average um, for weighted runs created plus. So Mateo has been 96% worse than the average player in the big leagues. So, I mean, that value right there just makes you think that he's bound for the bench, um, destined for the bench right now. And with that speed, you bring Mateo in in the eighth, ninth inning when you need a run, you put him on first base, and he's a guy who can come in, steal two bases, and possibly even win you the game with his speed. I mean, you, you put him in the game, he's really automatic, two stolen bases if you need it. And I've got Jordan Westberg at shortstop. Now, Westberg is a guy who is going to make his debut soon. Hopefully, it's here in the next next week. I'm hoping next weekend against the Mariners, maybe even the next week against the Reds. But Westberg has played a full season in AAA thus far this season and his career as well, going dating back to last year. And he's just too good to keep in the minors right now. He's just too darn good. And I think you slot him in at shortstop, or even second base if you want to put Mateo in the the lineup. And he's got to be playing every day soon if the Orioles want to win because this the middle infield for the Orioles has really struggled the past month since May 1st. Frazier and Mateo ranked dead last in second base shortstop middle infield OPS out of any team in all of baseball. And the Orioles continue to just win games with that production which is just shocking. And then at the ninth spot, I've got Adam Frazier. The only reason I have him starting here is because the Orioles want to get everything they can out of Frazier with his atrocious one-year $8 million deal. And the good thing is he's not going to be back next year, but you still got to pay him the $8 million guaranteed this year. And why not make the most out of it by having Adam Frazier play the rest of the year out, starting and batting ninth for Baltimore this season? That pretty much wraps it up for us on this episode of the pod. Make sure to follow us on our socials all series long as we keep you up to date with daily news, reports, and analysis of your Baltimore Orioles. For Jacob Kemp and the rest of our crew, I'm Nelson Dorsey. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode.